0: That's some kind of awe. You might say awesome, and in Mississippi, we'd say that's some kind of awe. And He is awful. He's an awful God. He is full of awe. And the Bible says that the whole earth stands in awe of Him. Amen? He's an awesome God. He's an awful God. And because of that, today we stand in awe of Him. Thank you, Jesus. He's mighty and powerful. Able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or think. Hallelujah. He's beyond our imagination. Amen. And, uh, you know, needless to say, we're glad to be here. And I can't find my notes. I know I, There they are. You better be glad I found I was going to just keep rambling for a while. But uh, needless to say, I'm glad to be here and, and very glad that um, my compadre... Sean Osmer, Brother Sean was able to be with me. And um, unfortunately, my wife, Kamala, who many of you know, wasn't able to be here. Um, She is uh, expecting, we're expecting our first baby.
1: Yay,
2: Lord.
0: And um, she just hadn't been feeling well. And I said, Babe, come on now, get over this. I'm doing fine. I don't know what your problem is. I didn't say that to her. I've been pampering and getting tea and trying to cook and trying to clean and She's gonna milk this. I think I think she's better. She's just like I'm still feeling a little nauseated But um, i'm sorry she couldn't be here, but i'm glad to be here and i'm excited about being here um, because there are so many new faces You you guys have probably doubled since I was here last and that was just uh, 10 months ago. I was here in October, and last October I was here while your pastor and his wife went to general conference, and your church has doubled, doubled since then, it's awesome, and and there are tons of people that aren't even here, it's awesome, because he's awesome, thank you Jesus, and uh, I'm just... I've said it before and I'll probably continue to say it if it continues to be here, but there's a spirit of excellence here And I know there are factors that are that are not here this afternoon, but uh, there is a spirit of excellence And that's why people are coming pastor Brown That's why people are showing up because they can see that there's something different here They can sense that there there's a touch on this church and, and guys you just get ready Whatever vision, Pastor, has been uh, flowing down to you, you guys grip it, grasp it, and say, let's go with it. Because, this Church, you're going places. I really believe that. And I want to say that with all sincerity. You Really, y'all are going places. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm, I'm just thankful for what the kingdom is doing in Pasadena. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Job chapter uh, 3 and verse 23. Job chapter 3 and verse 23. Young people uh, were just awesome up on the mountain. It was last year I was able to be with you all for the youth retreat. It It was good, but this year was gooder. It was a lot gooder. The Lord connected with some young people, and uh, their lives were touched, and their inhibitions began to fade away as we were up on the mountaintop, and parents, and peer pressure, and uh, influences, and, and just other things that can kind of inhibit young people. They were gone. And I told them, hey, you get back to church, and I want you guys to worship. I don't want you all to feel like people are going to look at you and think you're hypocrites because, oh, you just got back from youth retreat, and now you're all on fire, and that will fade away, and, all you'll go back to what you were. No, you get that out of your mind and stay on fire. Amen. And what happened on the mountain, that was good and dandy, and we thank God. But the true test of what's going to happen in my life, and God did some things in Eric Burton as well, and in these young people, is what we do when we come off the mountain and get in the valley. The mountaintop, that was just for perspective. I finally used that word correctly. That was just for perspective. But down here, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is the meat and potatoes right here. And and what you do with it, uh, that's what's important. Amen. Job 3 and 23. Why is light given to a man whose way is hid and who God has hedged in? Why is light given to a man, Job is asking, whose way is hid? And it's not even a rhetorical question. Job is asking in in frustration, confusion, without direction. Why have you even given me light when I don't know the way before me? And why have you given me light when I'm hedged in? I I don't even know where I'm going, but... Right here, I, I can see light. Your word, it is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. And as many uh, uh, theologians believe, this is one of the oldest books of the Bible. And if you really get into it, there is more conversation between a man and God than you will find in any other book of the Bible. It, it is, it's the closest that we probably see after creation of a man speaking to God in raw uninhibited uh, uh, conversation. I mean, he's being real with God. And and, and all the uh, formalities, they, they're gone aside and he's saying, God, why are you giving me light when I don't know where I'm going? I'm hid. My way is hid. I'm hedged in and you, he almost, if I could insert this word, you you have the audacity to give me light. We talked about direction up on the mountain. I want to Finish this off while we're here, this series of services uh, with continuing about direction. And um, I want to preach life, the great impromptu. Life. How many ever feel like it's impromptu? You just don't know what in the world is going to happen next. Anybody? Or y'all all got it planned out? But for me, Life is a great impromptu heavenly father be with us this afternoon. We already feel your presence here today We already feel the wonderful moving of your spirit and you are ministering and touching people and I want those people to respond to the spirit. I want them to respond to the gospel. I want them to change today. It's not by accident that they are here right now. It is not by accident that they showed up to them. They stumbled in, but God, you have been orchestrating and conducting our path. I pray today that we would leave here with understanding. We may not have clear direction and we may not know what's going to happen down the road, but we will understand you a little more In the name of Jesus, we rebuke every hindering spirit, every negative spirit, every spirit of fear and doubt and worry, anxiety, every spirit that would bind and inhibit the people of God and the children, the church, the bride of Christ, that would inhibit our guest. Be gone. And we speak liberty in the house of the Lord today. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, as we sang earlier where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Amen. You can be seated in Jesus' name. Life. The great impromptu. When I was in secular college, I um, I was on the speech team. And uh, it was called the forensic team. And I like uh, people. I'm, I think of myself as being outgoing. But they wanted me to... Um, be uh, in, in the forensics team. They wanted me to be on the, the, the impromptu uh, speech team, within the speech team. And what this consisted of in competitions, we'd compete against other uh, junior colleges, and we travel and uh, go to their campuses, and we'd have these competitions. Well, the uh, moderator would give you a, a note Right before you were about to speak, when it was your turn to speak, they would write down a subject on a piece of paper, and then you had, uh, I believe it was eight minutes to study the piece of paper, and within that eight minutes give uh, a five-minute speech. And if you took more time speaking and less time studying the subject, so maybe you'd speak for six or seven minutes, you got more points. And so they would give you this piece of paper, and you would sit down, and people are watching you, and they're waiting on you, and you would jot down some notes of any experience or any knowledge you knew of this subject, and then you'd get up, and you would speak. And there were rules to impromptu speech. There were, there were things that you, would, uh, that you would practice on your own so that when it came time for you to speak, you would, you would kind of have uh, a little bearing, and you never knew what the subject was going to be. You never had a heads up. You just were expecting that you had to, to, to be prepared. And, and I hated it. I hated impromptu speech. It was the worst venue of, of the speech club. And, and eventually I even got out of it. It was just so nerve-wracking to, to be able to uh, sit there and, and people are waiting on you to get up and speak. And you'd stumble and you'd ramble. And, and you had all these things in your mind and you were trying to stay focused. And it was, it was just impromptu, and life is, it's an impromptu. But I, I want to talk about what, what makes this impromptu a little bit easier. What makes us able to live with this impromptu way of life? Yes lives in the land of no. Yes lives in the land of No. And I came across, this is a book, and if you want to get it, pick it up at Barnes & Noble or something. But I, I just stumbled across it one day because the, the title was catchy. And I, I began to read it, and you can read it through your lunch hour. It's probably 80 pages or so. But there's, uh, it's kind of written in a format like um, a Dr. Seuss book, but it's for adults. And, and there are lots of pictures and uh, just small paragraphs. And so it's easy to read. And But it's weighty. It's a powerful book. And it's the experiences this young man has going into life. And he's got a dream and he's got a plan. But before he enters into this dream and plan, he sees other people entering into it. And he sees them coming out and being spit out of life one by one. And he's learning lessons from them. And this land that he's going into is called the land of no. And everything that goes on in there is no, no, no. No, you can't do that. No, you're not experienced enough. No, we don't have the finances or the resources. No, we might fail. And all he is thinking, if I can get one, yes. And he learns how to get people to say yes. You know why, why people say no? Because it wasn't their idea. People say no because it doesn't require any responsibility. And if I say no to you, then it means I'm not accountable for if it fails or not. And if it fails, then I can say, see, I told you so. And and people say no because uh, they weren't included in the initial plans. They weren't on the committing. People say no because they are afraid and there's no flexibility for failure. It's always got to be success with them. It's got to be all or nothing. And they don't want to try anything new. So it's just simple to say no. Why not? Because I said so. And how do you defend that when they're the authority? So people, they say no because, you know, they're afraid that that it might not come about and if... They didn't say yes to it, then they can always take the blame off of them and say they, it was their idea. But there is a yes that lives in the land of no. There is a possibility in your life with all the negative that is going on around it. There is an opportunity of a yes if you learn how to find that yes and learn how to dodge in between and out of the negative experiences that are going on in your life. And you never know what's going to come your way, but you got to keep that positive attitude that God has given me a dream or God has given me a calling or a ministry and I'm going to accomplish it. I'm going to. But you got to learn to get people to say yes. And the tactic in sales, I've been in sales before, I hate sales. If you're a salesman, I mean, most uh, millionaires and, and most affluent people, they, they are in sales. I don't like sales. And I, I feel like i got to really twist people's arms. i got to close the deal. you got to learn to close the deal. And when you're, you're coming to the close of the deal, they teach you that you got to get people in the mode of, of nodding their head and, and saying yes. I mean, aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? See there? Yes. Uh, I mean, didn't we have a good time this weekend? Yes. And sometimes you can throw a little, uh, a little sneaky one in there. Aren't you glad church is only on Sunday? Yeah. And you catch them. But you get people saying yes, and, and, and you ask a series of simple, closed-ended questions that, of course, are uh, to their benefit. And wouldn't you like to to be in this car? Wouldn't you rather trade that car that's got 90,000 miles, the warranty's almost up, and you're upside down? And we can put you in this car for just a $100 more, and it's brand new. You want to know how I said that so well? That was what was used on me. And I said, yes, yes, I would. And they get you to say yes because they, they learn to ask the right questions at the right time and they get you in the mode of saying yes and once they get you in the mode of saying yes and nodding your head. They close the deal and before you know it you've signed the papers and you're, what, what, what just happened? I learned in working with the emotionally disturbed children that there 's a certain way to answer them, and, and uh, when they asked to, to do something, I, I was in uh, doing substitute teaching in this school, and um, th- they were good kids, bright kids, but they just had problems with their emotions and, and problems with with uh, learning how to to uh, express themselves. And so they would ask, can can I play with this toy? And it was just a simple request, but you you couldn't let them because they, they would get so focused on it that when it was time to go to math or time to go to the gym, they would not give up this little toy. And it didn't matter how small it was. And if you said, no, you can't, then they would blow their top and they would be screaming and tearing and scratching. I've had them spit on me and claw me. And you, you try to confine them. And, and they're just wild because you said no to them. Because you simply said no. And so I was taught that you tell them, yes, you can, but after we do this. And they don't care what came after the word yes. It's just that you said yes. And it's funny, but it is the truth because the word no, there is an automatic defense mechanism in us that when someone says no to us, we buck up and we think that person is against us. When someone says no, we think that they don't like our idea. When they say no, we think that they're jealous of us or they're wanting to do ill to us. And and so we get aggravated with them. But when someone says yes, we, we think they're on our side. When someone says yes, we think to ourselves, they like my idea. So you say, yes, you can, but in just a little bit. And they're fine with that. They heard the word yes. Their defenses are down. They're not angry. They're not upset anymore. And when you tell someone yes, you you feel like you're doing what they want to do. But that's not the case at all. You're You're not succumbing to their request, but you've actually won a friend. And now they will do whatever you want them to do because you simply said yes to them sounds a lot like I'm giving some motivational speech in psychology here. I'm getting to a point, and I'm just wanting to take my time in building this. But there, there is a yes out there. There, there, are, there are possibilities and opportunities, but they're just hard to find sometimes. And, and life's a, a great impromptu that you don't know what's exactly coming next. And, and it gets a bit frustrating and aggravating in our life because we want to plan everything out. And we want our daytimers, and we want our Franklin Coveys, and, and really that is just a disguise that we really have everything in control. It's really just a, 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 a possibility of what might happen today. I, I like my things to do list. I like it. And of an evening, I like to write the things I'm going to do tomorrow. And when I lay down at night, literally, I feel like, ah, huh, I've got tomorrow tied up. Really, I don't. Because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And there are a lot of negatives going to come my way. And a lot of disappointments going to come my way. And a lot of no's that are going to come my way. And I will miss out on the beauty of life if I just am weighed down by all the negative and all the no's and all the you can'ts. And I don't know what's out there. And I don't know exactly what's going to be coming my way. But if I can learn to find the yes. If I can learn to find the opportunity and the possibilities, this impromptu that that we're walking, this dance that we don't know, the next step, it it kind of works itself out. And when the Lord comes to us, it appears that he's just interrupted our plans. He's just interrupted our our day timer and he's inserted something and we had it all planned out and we've been working so hard for this. and, and, And things are supposed to go this way, but they did not. We planned and planned for months, Brother Steele. You called me even last year. I knew I was coming back this year. And months prior to this, we we knew what was going to be happening. And we planned it out and talked on the phone and emailed. And and it was so nice working with Brother Steele. But the day we were leaving, we get halfway to the church only to find that we forgot the guitar. We go back to get the guitar. We're back here. The young people are waiting on us only to get another call. You forgot the tools. We go back. We get the tools. It wasn't his fault. It wasn't anyone's fault. That's, it's impromptu. You don't know what's going to happen. So there was one no. You're not going to the church yet. There was a second no. We could have just thrown up our heads. You know what? This is, if this is any indication of what this youth retreat is going to be like, let's just shut it down. Young people, go home. No, you can't do that. that that's, but this is what life is, and you learn to dance and dodge with it and, and say, you know what? I, I can work with this. Whatever you throw at me, I can work with it. I can find a possibility. I can find a yes in it. And so the Lord comes along and interrupts our plans. And he asks us to do something for him. And the timing, it seems it's not really good for you and me. The timing, we were right in the middle of something. In Mark chapter 1, verse 16, it says that Jesus was walking by and he saw Simon and Andrew and they were fishing. And he said, follow me. We don't even know that Jesus said, hey, guys, what are you doing? You got any uh, spare time on your hands? What do you want to do? He comes to them, follow me. And they're interrupted and, and they don't say, hey, can't you see we're making some money here? But the Bible says they dropped their nets and they said yes. And they went. They were interrupted. It was an impromptu. What are you going to do now? And some of us were so close-minded into what we want to do that when God comes and shakes us and says, I've got something else in store, we say, no, 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 no. You see, I've been working on this a long, long time. And I've been wanting to do what I want to do. And this is my dream and my vision and my livelihood. And God says, this is a great impromptu. you got to work with me. But we don't, We don't like God interrupting us. We don't like God messing us up. Can you say amen? And he comes in the next verse and he finds uh, uh, these two brothers, James and John, and, and they're working with their father and they're tending the nets as well. And they're left there and they're surprised and they look at their father and they tell him, we've got to go. we've got to get out of here. This man is wanting us to follow him. Don't be so spontaneous. I can't help it. I've got to make a decision right now. This is the greatest opportunity of my life. I was right in the middle of being great. I could have been affluent. I could have been wealthy. And here comes the Lord, and he asked me to change everything. Not to say that you still can't be affluent or wealthy or or, or well-to-do and plan things well, but being able to Move with the flow of what God is wanting to do. How many times he changes the mood of a service and he changes. in you even uh, sitting out there, you're not maybe the worship leader or a musician, but you are sensitive enough, sensitive enough to know that something just changed in the air. And we could be stubborn enough to say, you know what, Christina? We, we need to get to that third song. If we don't get to that, we have practiced that third song, and there is this, this drum line and, and this bass line that if people can hear it, and, and there's this soprano part, and we're thinking, God, don't move just yet because we got to sing the third song. It's a brand new song. You ever feel that way? Don't move just yet, God. I've been studying and working, and whoo, if they could hear this lesson, and he's interrupting what we do, and he's saying no to what you're wanting to do, and you're thinking, well, what can I do if you're always telling me no, and I've got to do it your way. Living with Harold. Life is often like an impromptu that we have to decide instantaneously, and We don't exactly know what's going to happen next, but there's a comedy genre that's called a herald and and herald is, is hard to live with because Harold, you don't know what he's going to ask of you. You don't know what what uh, they're going to want you to do or he's going to want you to do. And a Harold is a group of actors that come up on stage and you've probably seen this and it's extremely funny and And they'll ask from the audience, give us a, a location, give us a city and someone will holler out Seattle and they'll go, okay, Seattle. So they keep in their mind all the characteristics of this city and what goes on there. Alright, and give us a career and someone will say uh, the farmer's market and, and they think, okay, people throw fish at the farmer's market. Anybody been there in Seattle? And, and so they got this in their mind, and then they say, give us, a, give us a name, and they'll give them Sally. And they take all this information, having never practiced this before, and they begin to act it out with one another. And these actors are intertwined in emotion, and, and they're intertwined, intertwined in purpose. And they're thinking, we have got to work out what they have just thrown at us. It's impromptu. And you would think that these are skilled actors and that these are real outgoing men and women. But the fact of the matter is, they're just common people that have learned to go with the flow. They're common people that have learned to take what has been given to them and they've learned to dance with it. Many times what is said and done in an impromptu or a, a herald doesn't work out becomes it it comes out hilarious nonetheless it's uh, things about things we would never want to happen in our own life like our grandmother rolling in her wheelchair chair towards the end of a cliff we would never want that to happen but people will travel miles and miles to go to a comedy where that's happening and and it's the worst case scenarios heralds and and comedies are really tragedies sugarcoated. And we go and we see them and we think we would never want that to happen to us, but yet we laugh at it. It's not a bad thing. But these heralds and these impromptu actors, what they have learned to do is release the suppressed actions in their life. And, and what so many of us are so good at is not being impromptu, but suppressing the free expression of what's going on. And we don't want anybody to know, as Pastor was mentioning earlier, we don't want anybody to know we're hurting. And so we put on this facade that everything is okay. And then I'm doing all right. And the fact of the matter, that's not impromptu. That's a lie. But impromptu is when you just open up and you say, whatever comes, I'm just going to flow with it. May I postulate that Our walk with God is is so much an impromptu. You and I don't know where we're going and what's going to happen from one moment to the next. We're just trying to go with the flow and say yes to the Lord. Why does the herald work? Why, Why is the herald so hilarious? Why is living with herald such a good idea? Why is it so fun? It's because there is one and only one rule that you need to obey. There there is the first and the only rule that you need to remember in life. If you will remember this, you will go a long way. And the first and only rule you need to remember in the impromptu, and they teach this in the Herald, when you're practicing impromptu, is that you have to agree. You have to agree. Amos 3 and 3 says, how can two walk together except they what? Agree. How can two have the same purpose except they agree? And in the impromptu action, when you're working with someone else, the only way that it runs smoothly, no matter what they do, even if you think, what are you doing? If they mess up, if they miss their lines, if they trip and fall, somehow you correlate or bring that into what you wanted to do and it becomes funny. Everything is agreement. Whatever they do, you think, I'm going to work with that. I'm going to implement that. I'm going to agree even if it was an accident. And so when God comes along and he interrupts our life and he messes us up and we're thinking, God, what are you doing here? I had everything planned out. If you will simply agree with him, I don't know where you're what you're doing. I don't know where you're going, but I agree with you. And when accidents come in your life, agree with it. When mistakes occur in your life, agree with it. You know why the Bible says God is a joyful God? He's a happy God because he's sovereign and his will is always done. The will of God is always done. So Romans 8 tells us that all things work together. Everything works together. The good and the bad are working together because God is always in agreement with himself. And no matter what happens, his will is always done. If your will was always done and you always got what you wanted, I'd say you'd be a pretty happy person, don't you? If you always got your way, and God always gets his way, how? Because even the bad, even the mistakes somehow, he says, I can work with that. Pull it on in. And what was a tragedy to us in a few years, if you will agree, God says it's going to be a comedy, and you're going to look back, and you're going to laugh at it and say, that was a terrible storm. But honey, look how we came out of it. Look what God has done through all of it. And God's will, it is like this magnet, and even the good and the bad, they are drawn to it, and it's collected, and God says, I can use all of this. And in fact, it's better that I have all these ingredients. The mistakes in your life, God agrees with them. The hiccups in your life, God agrees with them, and God says, I'm impromptu, I can move with all of that, whatever you do, I I can work with it. And so in return, when when things go wrong in our life or God changes the plans, don't put up a defense mechanism and build a wall and say, no, God. But go ahead and say, I agree with you. You and I, we're going to walk together. And whatever you do in my life, I agree with it. And when you agree with it, you just seem to flow. That is the key to impromptu. That's the key to working things out. And when you practice life and practice life and practice life, when the time comes for you to act, you'll do what you're supposed to do. It's like a basketball player. They will, they will practice the dribbling. They will practice the shooting. They will practice the layups over and over and over. They'll practice their drills only to find that when they get in the game, it never goes the way they thought it would in practice. But they have practiced so much that it becomes almost innate to them. And they are able to move with anything that comes their way. And they're able to change things up and they're able, it becomes an artistic dance out there on the basketball court. And you wonder, did they know that was going to happen? No, they've just practiced and practiced and practiced. they practiced the art of agreement that I will agree with whatever trouble comes my way. I will be able to go around it. I will be able to overcome it. You've got to be willing to practice life. You've got to be willing to do the same thing over and over because there's some hiccups coming your way. But when they do come your way, you're going to say, Hey, it doesn't matter. I, I've been practicing this. You know why David was such a good worshiper? He practiced. He practiced worship out on the grassy knoll. He practiced out on the hill all by himself. And you would think, Oh, David was a natural. No, 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 no. David practiced. So when it came time, He was impromptu. He was ready to play skillfully. He was ready to dance. And sometimes we never practice our worship. Sometimes we never practice our dance before God. Sometimes we never practice being in the presence of God. So when it comes time for church, we all sit there and stand there. We're scared because we've never practiced this before. But if you would find a closet, a secret place, a a prayer room, an empty church when the hours are closing, come in here, and you begin to practice I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. And you begin to play before the Lord and nobody's around. It's just you and God. I agree with you, Jesus, that when church starts and we're all gathered together, you'll say, this is what I was made for. I have been practicing for this one moment. No matter what song they sing, I'm ready to worship. No matter what the message is, I'm ready to worship. No matter what route the service goes or how God moves, I can agree with him. I'm impromptu. Life, the great impromptu. Keith Johnstone, the one that came up with this idea of the herald, the improv theater, he writes, in life, most of us are highly skilled at suppressing action. All the improvisation teacher has to do is reverse the skill, and he has created a very gifted improviser. Bad improvisers will not agree. Bad improvisers and impromptu actors block action because it didn't go the way they wanted it to go. And so many of us, we block action in our life, and we find ourselves just simply being stagnant. And we find ourselves being frozen in fear and paralyzed because that's not the way I pictured it. And we suppress and we suppress when we should just be letting it go. And I used to be so close-minded as to just life. Just that things happen and if it didn't go my way and we didn't leave at a certain time, I was going to be very, very upset. But I did pretty good Thursday morning, didn't I, Brother Sean? I thought we were going to be late, but you know what? I found myself, literally, I found myself laughing. It's going to be all right. I don't know how it's going to work out, but it's going to be all right. And when you agree with the troubles and the storms and the tribulations, come on, bring it on. I've been practicing. I've been in the gym all by myself and nobody knew I was there, but I've been waiting for you. I've been looking for, I knew it was going to come along. I knew a disappointment and a no was coming my way, but I've got something in store for you. i got something up my sleeve. I've been practicing life. With God, the more you agree with him, the smoother things work out. And you think that if you say yes to God that you have to do what he wants to do and only what he wants to do. But you find that when you say yes to God, you have actually gained and accomplished. You have actually gained a friend and a partner in life. And he will begin to do what you wanted to do in the beginning. He will begin to do what your desires are in your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Say yes to him first and you will find that all the desires in your life, they will be added unto you. You do what he wants to do and guess what? He'll do what you want to do. Amen. The opportunities of saying yes, yes, I will, God, and doors begin to open. Saying yes to God and you learn a new dance move. Saying yes to God and your mind is expanded in the kingdom and the knowledge and wisdom of an understanding of who God is. Saying yes to him. You'll find you can do things you never thought you could do before. They asked me to do a children's crusade. Hey, I'm not a clown. I like kids, but I I don't know what to tell them. And I said yes i 'll do this children 's crusade for you, not a youth retreat, not a not a full scale adult revival with all, just children you know the, the little little kids that clam up onto your to your legs and won 't let you go, and they crawl all over you if they get out of control and you think, Oh, what have I opened up here Those, those little things that they cry and sweat and they, they, they stink all the time and their sticky fingers, and you came in with clean clothes and and how you thought the illustration was going to work out doesn 't work out because there 's one kid that throws out a remark in the middle and it shakes you up and messes you up. That, that, those little things. Little bundles of trouble. You want to do a children's crusade? Yeah, I'll do this children's crusade. I said yes, having never done a children's crusade. And I went in there and I tried to do my thing and I thought of these illustrations and those kids were going... And afterwards they came to the altar and later the children's director said, man, that was good. That was awesome. And man, I was just sweating profusely because all these little eyes, they know truth. They can tell and perceive character in a person. And I think these kids are looking right through me. They know I'm a big fake. I don't know anything about children's crusades. I'm not kidding. I was, I was nervous, but I love kids. And I said, yes. And opportunities and doors were open. And you know what happened to me? I went back to the simple things of life. And I remembered stories about Jonah and the well. And I thought, wow, that really happened? (laughs) We're telling the greatest stories in the Bible to children. We don't hear about them anymore in the adult services. They're just for kids. They're the greatest stories in the Bible. The greatest miracles that have ever occurred. And because I said yes, there was an opportunity to go back to a simple way of life. That God, you are awesome. You are great. You are mighty. You really did do these things. I said yes, and they said, we want you to come back. I was like, really? Now I'm traveling all over the world. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) But I said yes, and someone comes to you and says, hey, I'd like you to. No, I don't. I don't do that. That's not me. We'd like you to. I don't know. You no. you want my help. You have to ask me two weeks in advance. I know a man like this. Good man, he's very organized, but you ask him in under two weeks and it's just a simple no, 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 you're not taking advantage of me, no. And you can go to the other extreme and there's some people that never know how to say no and they always say yes and they get themselves in a heap of trouble. But there are times when the man of God or your pastor will come to you or God will come to you and he say, I'd like you to do this. And you've got to say, yes, Lord. I've never done this before. I, I, this is all new to me. I'm I'm scared. I'm nervous, but you know what? I've been practicing. I've been practicing for a day just like this that would come because I knew God. You have called me to great things, and when the time came and the time appointed came, the door was open, and He said, "This is what I've been looking for." So in Job three and twenty-three, said all that to say this. He says, "Why?" Do you give light to a man's way that is hid? And, and why are you giving light to a man that is hedged in and, and doesn't know what tomorrow brings? And Job is this guy that's looking for directions. He did not know what the next day was going to bring. He was left looking for God but could not find Him. He was left looking for himself and could not find himself. How did all this happen? And he has done everything he can to protect himself from calamity. And he he is proud of his testimony. I, I have been righteous and I have eschewed evil and I have done my sacrifices and I have raised my children in godly statutes and I give to the poor and I'm a faithful husband. And he goes through the line of all that he has done. And he's saying, you see what I have done? I have built a security around myself so that nothing can go wrong, that God can never judge me. I have secured myself from the punishment of God. I have secured myself. From the anger of God. And so he finds himself now in all of his security that I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do because he's in trouble. And the judgment of God has come on him not because he's a bad man, but actually because he's a righteous man. The judgment and the correction of God has come on him because God loves him. The testing of God has come on him because God trusts him. And, and Job thought to himself, I have done everything I can to cancel out any no's in my life. And all of a sudden, God comes to him and says, no, you will not have your family. No, you will not have your riches. No, you will not have your security. No, you will not have friends that comfort you. No, you will be by yourself. And he is upset and he is angry. And his confusion turns to frustration because he has no direction. He is stripped of his navigation devices before he knew the coordinates that he was going to take. And in a few years, I'm going to retire and I'm going to leave this all to my seven children. And it's going to be wonderful only to see that it collapsed under him. And there he is left and all he can see is the light that is right in front of him. All he can see is right now. And that's where impromptu takes place is right now. What are you going to do now? And after now, what will you do in the now that is after the now you are in? All you have, church, is right now. You don't have tomorrow. And you don't have yesterday any longer. And you don't have the security of writing everything out. I'm going to do this and this and prioritize it. Then check it off at 1.30 and then 2.30 and then 3.30. That is gone when it comes to walking with God. Because he's going to mess you guys up. He's going to mess me up. Sometimes directions are only given on a day-by-day basis. What do I do today? You wait till you see the pillar move. You wait till you see the cloud move. You wait till you see the pillar of fire move. Then you move. But God, I've got millions of people following me. I can't just be spontaneous like this. I need to have a plan as a leader. You move when I say to move. All you're going to have is the light that is right now. And like an unrealized gift that God had given Job, all he can see is that he is hedged in. And all he can see is that he is blocked in. But isn't it ironic that the very thing that was used to protect him, God had put a hedge about him and Satan was upset. The only reason that he is doing well is because you have hedged him. The very thing that was used to protect him. Now Job is cursing. I'm hedged in. I don't have liberty and freedom to do what I want to do. And all I can see is what is right in front of me. And So he gets upset. I can see, but where am I going? I can see in front of me, but where do I go after this? I can see right now, but what about tomorrow? Help me out. And God says, no, you don't get tomorrow. You have the impromptu of life now and that's it. And he's overwhelmed at his inability to see the future that he could not see the blessing of now. He could not see the blessing of impromptu. All his plans out the window. And God continues to urge us to take advantage of the right now in our life. Sister Christina, if you'd come. The Bible says that we should redeem the time. Redeem right now why because the days there are evil And and you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring Redeem right now Redeem the time because church Saints of God guests that are here today saint and sinner all you have is right now Why Is light given to a man whose way is hid so that he will recognize the opportunity of now. Why is life given to a man that has everything planned out, but he feels like he's closed in? We get so focused on the future, so far ahead of ourselves that we don't ever take care of today. And we're running around in circles, and each day we do nothing because we're planning for tomorrow. And God says, what are you doing? You're not accomplishing anything. It's all speculative You're just hoping it is an illusion and a mirage tomorrow you want it to be there, but What you are sure of is the light that is in front of you What you are sure of is the lamp that is at your feet guiding you and directing you today right now The devil does not want you to recognize right now and so He'll always try to make you feel like it's too late. It's too late to plan. How many of you ever, I'm 30 years old, and how many of you have ever had that gripping fear that you, you hadn't started investing in your retirement soon enough? They always tell you, oh yeah, squandered everything, had fun, whoo, man, we had a life, and you feel like it's too late. I know a man that has made millions of dollars, Literally. Doesn't pay his taxes He has made millions And after he gets his check I know he goes to the casino In Lake Charles, Louisiana And whew, it's, gone. it's gone It's gone, it's gone, it's gone It's gone, it's gone And is over 50 years old And he has no retirement 50 years old, he's, he's a bit strong now But there's coming a day when, when he won't be able to work And he has nothing and we can get that feeling that, you know, it's, it's too late. And that's what has collapsed on him. It's too late. I might as well not even put anything into savings or investment because it's too late. And that's what the devil always wants you to feel like. It's too late. You, you, you've wasted too much of your life. And what you need to realize is, hey, i got right now. I know that there are a lot of things that came in my life that messed me up. But I've got right now. I can start today. And there are some things things that have messed up in your life. And you come here and the devil says, it's too late. It's too late. You can't go up to the altar. You can't give your life to God. You're not one of these young people up here. It's too late. You need to tell him, I've got light right in front of me. I've got right now. I've got right now. Why is light given to a man whose way is hid? So that you'll do something now and not tomorrow. He doesn't want you looking at tomorrow or next week or next month. He wants you to look at right now. Do something now. Practice life now. Practice makes perfect, yes. Too late to have a career. Too late to learn. Too late to start anew. Too late to have a ministry. Too late. Too late. Too late. That's a lie. In life, this great impromptu. The only thing you have on stage is right now. What you're going to do right now. And so as we stand this afternoon, I want to ask you, what are you going to do right now? No, 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 no. not during the Korean service Bible study. Not during the Spanish service if you're coming back. Oh, I'll give it a chance then. Not next week when everyone's off vacation. Not not when we get into the new building Right now, what are you going to do? Are you going to practice life now so that when the church does explode and we begin to expand and these walls are torn out and we got to take up more property to get new parking spaces, you can say, hey, we've been practicing for this. We were ready for this. And when things start trying to fall from under your feet and the foundation seems to crack, you're going to say, it's all right, I've been practicing life. Every single one of us right now, what we have before us is a light for the next step. But after you say yes and agree with that step, guess what? It's amazing. Oh, there's light for another step. And you look up and you can't see anything up ahead. And God makes you mad and you're scared and you're worried and you're saying, God, would you please? He says, look down. And you're looking. There's light right here. It's a lamp unto your feet. His word. hmm And if you will keep taking step by step with God You'll find you'll get to your destination You'll find you'll get to where you were wanting to go So I ask you today, what are you going to do right now? What are you going to do right now with with the opportunity that's been given to you? Salvation is at hand Salvation is at stake What are you going to do? I've wasted too much of my life The devil's saying it's too late for you why are you here now if it's too late? I can't. I've messed up too many times. Why are you here right now? As every eye is closed, this altar is open for saint and sinner alike, for church member and guests alike, for somebody to do something right now, to come back to God right now. Not next week, not next youth retreat, not next revival right now. It's for the sinner that does not know God but wants to know him more. That is frustrated with their life and saying, God, things didn't go as I planned. It's time for you to say right now, I'm going to make a difference. Right now, I'm going to do something different. Right now. Right now, I'm going to change things up. Right now. Today is the day of salvation jesus wept as he looked over jerusalem because they did not recognize now the day of their visitation jesus is here now it's not some far-off dream of jesus coming jesus is here you need healing in your life come now you need salvation come now you need direction you need navigation come now come on come on saints of god come on guests Come on, people that think you've wasted everything in life you have right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray for a spirit of liberty to just come in and sweep over the sanctuary that we would have hope. Come on. Come on. What are my steps in your way? What are
3: my steps in your word, dear Lord?
4: Why don't you lift up your hands one more time? Many of you are praying. Lifting up your hands is a sign of surrender. When the policeman comes, says, Freeze. Lift them up. What are you saying? You're saying, I'm not going to fight. You're saying, I'm giving up. I'm releasing it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just lift up our hands to the Lord right now and say, Lord, i release it to you. I give it up. Jesus, let Your will be accomplished in my life. Let Your purpose be done. I praise You, Jesus. That's it. Hallelujah. God, I want You to order my steps. I've been trying to manage my life too much. I've been living in, in, the, in the failures and the faults of yesterday, or I've been living in the planning of tomorrow. But right now, Jesus, I see and I sense Your anointing. I sense Your purpose being unfolded in my life. <laughs> Jesus, order my steps, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm giving myself to you, Jesus. Uh, I'm giving my future to you, Lord God. Uh, I'm giving you myself right now, Lord Jesus. Uh, Hallelujah. 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 That's it. Come on, lift up your hands and say, Lord, I give it to you in Jesus' name. Order my steps, Lord. Yeah. No. There are many people that are praying and touching in with God. We want to continue uh, in this vein, in this spirit, as Sister Christina continues to sing. I want to encourage you to continue praying. Those of you that uh, need to go, you're dismissed in the name of the Lord. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. And we want to uh, let all our visitors know we love you and thank you for coming to be with us. Amen. Make sure you're aware of what's happening. But uh, if you need to go, um, you can, uh, uh, you're can. you free to go at this time. But let's let the spirit of prayer, people getting in connection and in touch with God, let's let this continue in the house. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you.